Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome back to the Avery After Dark podcast. Today's story is one that's going to give you goosebumps. It's my favorite kind of story, a psychological mystery thriller. So I want you to envision this. Your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, or wife goes missing. Just one day up and vanishes. There's no trace of where they went or what happened. Your mind goes to the worst possible scenarios when surprisingly, a week later, they show back up on your doorstep. You're overwhelmed with relief. Your prayers have been answered. Except, when your partner returns, they're acting differently. It feels like you don't even know this person. Something is just off. Sit back and listen, and let me tell you a story. This is called A Kiss on the Hand. Sam and I had been married for three years. Three fun and beautiful years. We met at a party in college and had been inseparable ever since. It sounds corny, but we were soulmates, and we both knew it. He knew everything about me, and I knew him better than anyone. Sam was a brilliant writer. He had already finished two novels by the time he was 30, and he loved writing. The look in his eye as he was working on a book. I loved watching him. It was truly his calling, and I found myself sometimes jealous of him. He knew he wanted to be a writer since he was a kid. If you googled my husband, you'd find pages of articles and blogs singing his praise. Sam Ford is the next big thing in literature. And they were right. He had a gift. Me, I worked in real estate. I'm a people person and I like it, but it's a more of a job for me. I'm not in love with my work like Sam is. After getting married, we purchased our first home together. I found us a ranch through one of my real estate listings. It was a fixer-upper, and that's putting it mildly. The ranch sat on an acre of land here in Tennessee, and it was stunning, but needed so much work. From the floors to needing a new roof, we spent a year and a half in almost all of our savings. But it was home. Sam and Leah, that's me, had a place that we could call ours. Sam so badly wanted to be a dad. From when we were young, he talked about having as many kids as he could. Sam's parents were amazing. His dad was an attorney and his mom a stay-at-home mom. They grew up on the nice side of town, if you know what I mean. But they weren't his biological parents. Sam was adopted as a baby. He didn't talk about it much and never wanted to get into contact with his birth mother. From the few times he mentioned it, he just said that it was a private adoption and that was pretty much it. Sam just wanted his own life, and I think that's where his desire to have a family of her own came from. Our plan was to start a family within the next year. We laid in bed at night and talked about the future and how amazing it's going to be. We would lay there in the evenings, starry-eyed and optimistic, and like clockwork, 
he did that thing he does. Every night, he would grab my hand and gently kiss it. Since we'd been young, it was just our thing we did, our nightly routine. Even on our worst days, it was the moment that would bring us back together. No matter what we had fought about that day or what had gone wrong, that moment meant everything to me. It reassured me that I was right where I was supposed to be with this man. One afternoon, Sam and I spent the day running errands, dry cleaning, grocery store, a long and quite frankly unbearable trip to the hardware store for new utilities for the ranch. When we got home, we were shocked to find that someone had broken in. They'd shattered one of the front windows, glass laid all over. Sam's car had been broken into, too. Strange thing was, nothing was taken besides a framed photo of Sam and I, which made it all a little bit creepier. We called police and they came right over. They suggested a security system, and although we were shaken up, we were both glad neither of us were home when it happened. And a security system went in the following week. After that, we started receiving strange phone calls from an unknown caller at night. When I would answer the phone, the caller would immediately hang up. But when Sam would answer, the caller would linger on the phone, just breathing. Sam and his protective nature would threaten the caller and tell him to stop harassing us. This went on for a few weeks, but one day the calls stopped coming. We were both relieved. We didn't know if the caller was connected to the break-in, but we were relieved it seemed like whoever the person was had moved on. Life went on, and Sam and I were just happy in every sense of the word. Until that day. It was a Wednesday. We both woke up, and Sam was eager as he was going to talk with his publisher about his new novel. He often stayed at home writing during the day. I had to show a couple home, so I got ready, grabbed my coffee, and kissed Sam on the way out. As I left the house, Sam said that he would text me later on in the day about what we should get for dinner. If my publisher gives me the green light for this next novel, we're getting something expensive, babe, he said. I laughed and wished him luck and was out the door by 9 a.m. The day rolled on and multiple showings later, I looked at my phone and noticed it was already 4 p.m. I also noticed I didn't have anything from Sam. No calls or texts about dinner like he had mentioned. Ugh, maybe the meeting didn't go well? On the way home, I called him, but no answer. When I pulled up to the house, the first thing I noticed was Sam's car was gone. I walked in and saw his keys were missing from the key bowl, and I figured maybe he ran out for dinner, so I called him again. To my surprise, I hear his phone ringing from inside the house. I followed the echoed melody into our room, and there it was. His phone was laying directly in the middle of the bed. Sam usually didn't leave home without his phone, but I brushed it off. I busied myself by emptying the dishwasher, sending some work emails, and taking a shower. I looked at the clock, and it had been two hours, and Sam still wasn't home. I started to get the feeling that something wasn't right. I called his parents, who lived 20 minutes down the road. They said they hadn't heard from Sam today, but sensed the concern in my voice. Together, we began a string of phone calls, dialing friends, and the only one thing was consistent with every call. No one had seen or talked to Sam that day except for me. I got in my car and drove around town, checking some of the local coffee shops, grocery stores, and restaurants we frequented. But still no Sam. By dark, Sam's parents, my parents, and I were all sitting around my family room. I was spiraling at this point. My heart was racing. My palms were clammy and numb. I looked up to the door every few seconds, praying Sam would walk in with dinner and a funny story about what happened. 
but he didn't. We picked up the phone and called the police and reported my husband, my Sam, missing. The next 48 hours were a blur. A blur of no news, no appetite, no sleeping, no Sam. I told detectives about the recent break-in and the strange phone calls we had been receiving. They said they'd look into it and continue to search for him. I reached out to Sam's publisher and she said she was surprised that he missed their noon phone call. Sam never missed meetings. Police determined that something must have happened to him that morning shortly after I left. Two days after his disappearance, 30 minutes outside of town, they found Sam's car abandoned outside a grocery store. The keys were still in it, and they didn't find any sign of a struggle outside the car. What was Sam doing over there? We never went to that side of town, nor did he have any ties to that area. And where was he? Is he okay? I mean, how many 30-year-old men get abducted? Every day that passed without answers was more torturous than the last. Your mind goes to every possible scenario. The worst possible scenarios. The scenarios where Sam never comes home. I just felt it in my bones that something horrible must have happened. He would never leave intentionally. He wouldn't leave me. He wouldn't leave his parents. And he wouldn't leave his half-completed novel laying on his desk. Nothing about this made any sense. I replayed that morning over and over in my head. The normalcy of our conversation was haunting. It was like neither of us knew what was about to happen. It had been one week from the day Sam went missing. I woke up and poured myself some coffee. I was supposed to meet with Sam's parents to discuss a search we were organizing the following weekend. I got dressed, tried to look as presentable as possible, and opened up the front door. And then, Sam. Standing in front of me was my husband who had been missing for the last week. And now, a quick word from today's sponsors. Sam was back. I collapsed into him as I started sobbing. Where have you been? What happened to you? I wailed as I hugged him. He said he had no idea, said he didn't know what happened to him or where he had been. He didn't remember a thing. But he said he came to and wanted to come home. I called police. An ambulance came roaring up our driveway, and both his parents and my parents drove over immediately. He was taken to the hospital, and doctors said that he was fine physically. They ran tests and threw the words fugue state and mental breakdown at me. Fugue state? The doctor explained it to me as I filled out some paperwork at the hospital. It's rare, but we see it from time to time. Sam says he doesn't remember anything from the past week. This kind of dissociative fugue is a temporary state where the person has memory loss, amnesia if you will, and can end up in unexpected places. Leah, had Sam been stressed out lately? Not really, I answered. I mean, he was working on his next book, but he was more excited than stressed. Well, sometimes people hide it well, he said. As I scrolled through his paperwork, I noticed a mistake on the form the nurse had filled in. I grabbed the doctor as he turned to walk away. I'm sorry, it says here that Sam is AB positive blood type. That's not right. Sam's O negative, I just wanted to let you know. The doctor picked up the chart, examined it, and said, No ma'am, his blood was just tested. He's AB positive. I shook my head in disagreement. No, no he isn't. Sam is O negative, the universal donor. He donates every year. This is a mistake. The doctor looked at me strangely and said, Sorry ma'am, that's not what the test said. Maybe you got it mixed up. I'm sure you've been through a lot. Anyways, 
Sam should be ready to leave within the next hour or so. I sat back in my chair, dumbfounded, but that feeling was washed away with an overwhelming sense of relief. Sam was back. We drove home that night and laid in bed, and I just held him. I told him how much I missed him and how worried I'd been. He'd only been gone a week, but holding him felt different. He had a different smell, different feel. I looked up and noticed he was getting tired, and I got butterflies as I lifted my hand up for a kiss, our nightly routine that I had been yearning to get back to. I lifted my hand up, and Sam just looked at it, confused almost. I held it there for a second, and then, equally embarrassed and baffled, I lowered it down and wished him sweet dreams. Weird. Give it time, I thought. And I did. But night after night, he never grabbed my hand again. This had been something we had done for years. How could he just forget it? Throughout the next couple days, I noticed some more strange things. Sam's clothes fit him differently. I also noticed he gained a little bit of weight in the last week. He was eating different foods than he did before. I get taste can change, but Sam was allergic to peanut butter. Always had been. He had avoided it since I met him. In the pantry was an old Halloween basket from the year prior I had gotten at work. It had some old candies and some Reese's. One afternoon, I walked past the pantry, shocked to find Sam standing there eating the Reese's. I yelled out, Sam, no, you can't eat that, you're allergic. I grabbed it out of his hands. Sam then turned to me, stared blankly, and then maniacally started jumping towards me, sticking out his tongue. Ha ha, he yelled in my face with a maniacal grin. I flew back against the wall in absolute fear, and then he just walked away. This bizarre behavior continued. Notably, he had no interest in writing. I reread him some parts of his novels, thinking maybe he just needed to be reminded of what an amazing writer he is. He stared out the window as I read to him. He didn't care. His editor called him, and I watched him decline the call. Another thing? I would be around the house, and out of the corner of my eye, I would catch Sam standing behind walls, thinking I couldn't see him, staring at me. What the hell is going on? He didn't remember any of our inside jokes. He didn't like any of his favorite restaurants. He took his coffee differently. He watched different TV shows and movies. He looked exactly like my Sam, but I didn't feel like I knew this man at all. He talked the same, walked the same, but something was off. I would also wake up to him in the middle of the night to find him staring at me. He'd then quickly close his eyes and pretend he was asleep. Sam also started going out more. I don't know where he went, but he just said he was heading out. I noticed a lot of charges on our joint credit card. Nice clothing stores, a new watch. Everything about everything felt wrong, and I kept going back to the blood type. How would that even be possible? I dug into some old boxes in the basement and found some old papers from the hospital when Sam broke his foot a few years prior. And there it read, Sam Ford, blood type, O negative. I knew it. I knew I wasn't crazy. I felt awful for doing so, but with my hunch and out of sheer desperation, I found a hairbrush from Sam's under the sink. I bagged that up and then found a coffee cup Sam had drank from the morning before and got in the car. I'm supposed to be so happy right now, and here I am, as confused and lost as ever. 
I walked into the police station and immediately saw one of the detectives that was working on Sam's disappearance. Hi, Detective Clark. I'm really sorry to bother you. Do you have a minute to talk? I ask. Oh, hi, of course, Leah. Take a seat. How have you been? You know, I gotta say, Sam coming back, this is the best possible scenario. Trust me. I've been working as a detective for 10 years. These cases usually don't end like this. This is a miracle, he said. Yeah, a real miracle. That's actually why I'm here. Detective, this is going to sound crazy, and I know that. But that man, Sam, he looks like my husband, same eyes, hair, skin tone, everything. But he is not my husband. He looks like him, but that's about it. There's just something off. I said. Look, Leah, in these cases, it's normal for you to feel distant from a spouse. You suffered a traumatic event. It's completely rational that you feel this way, he said as he tried to reassure me. He has a different blood type. Did you know that? I blurted out. I watched as his face shifted. What? he asked. He has a different blood type than he did before. Sam has always been O negative. And at the hospital, the doctor said that this Sam is AB positive. Oh, and he isn't allergic to peanut butter anymore. How is that even possible? I lay in bed next to him at night and feel like I'm laying next to a stranger. Detective, please. Please, there is something very wrong here. He looked down. I whipped out the hairbrush and the mug. Test these. If he is really my husband, if he is really my Sam, these should come back a perfect match. Detective Clark looked at me for a few moments. There's gotta be a rational explanation for all this, but Dave in forensics does owe me a favor. Look, I'll have the results in a few days. In the meantime, call me if you need anything. Thank you, I said as I shook his hand. I waited the next couple days, and then my cell rang as I was sitting in some parking lot, avoiding being home with him. I pick up on the first ring. Hey, it's Detective Clark. Look, Leah, the DNA from the hair sample doesn't match the DNA from that mug. I don't know what's going on. I've never seen anything like this in my years as a cop, but hang tight. I'm going to bring this evidence to the police chief and we'll go from there. I'll call you when I get word back. I hung up the phone and felt equally nauseous and also validated. How could this be? How is this physically possible? I sat there, frozen for a while. I eventually drove home and was relieved to see that Sam still wasn't back when I pulled up. My phone rang again, this time from a number I didn't recognize. Hello, I answered. Hi, Leah. I know you don't know me, but I thought I would call and introduce myself. I'm Sam's biological mother, Cheryl Clyde. And now, another word from today's sponsors. Oh, hi, Cheryl. Wow, I said, stunned. I hope you don't mind me calling. I just wanted to say hi and say I'm so happy that Sam is safe back home with you, she said. Oh, you heard about his disappearance, I asked. Yes, and I always respected Sam's privacy. I got his adopted parents' information years ago and would check up on him through social media. But I was stuck on the news after he went missing, hoping for him to come back, and he did. I never reached out, but it wasn't because I didn't want to. But I always cared for Sam, she said. Well, thanks for calling. It's uh, been a whirlwind. I'm still trying to figure it out now, to be honest with you.
I said, as I wondered how long I'd have to stay on the call for. Oh, I bet it is. Has William been around? She asked. William? I'm sorry, who's William? I asked. William is Sam's twin, she said. No, I don't... I don't know a William, and he has never, ever mentioned anything about him being a twin, I said. Well, yeah, I had two twin boys. Imagine how shocked I was at 17 years old. My parents told me I had to put them up for adoption, and afterwards, I found they were adopted out separately. Ugh, that broke my heart. I always hoped someday they would find each other, and I'm so glad they have, she boasted. What do you mean they have? I asked. Oh yeah, a few months back, William, William Dean, his brother, well, he tracked me down. We talked for a while and he told me his plans to reunite with Sam. He said he went to visit you at your home, said your ranch was beautiful. I went silent on the phone, frozen again. Dear, you still there? She asked. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I, I guess I'm, I'm just pretty confused right now. Could we maybe talk another time? I'm just, I'm kind of in the middle of something, I asked, and then hung up. I got off the phone and immediately dialed Detective Clark. Shit, no answer. I left him a voicemail. Hi, this is Leah. Look, I got a really strange phone call from a woman claiming to be Sam's biological mother. Her name was Cheryl Clyde. And she said that Sam has a twin. Some guy named William Dean? She claims they're identical. This is all really strange. Please call me back or come over. I just, I need to talk to you. I dropped the phone and ran over to the computer in our bedroom. I typed in Ancestry.com and had to look this up for myself. I typed and looked, typed and looked, and then there it was. Cheryl's name and two twin sons beneath her. That was the moment it all started to click. I was right. In that moment, I knew... It wasn't Sam who came back. It was William. Suddenly, in the left-hand corner of my laptop, I saw a figure standing behind me. So, you found me out, William said. I jumped up, turned to face him, and he slowly started backing me into the corner. Y You're not Sam. You're William, aren't you? I asked, shaking. Unlike my luckier twin, I didn't have such a cushy life. The people who adopted me became full-on drug addicts by the time I was 10. And unlike Sam, I didn't get college. Or a career. A wife. A home. I got nothing. He screamed. I've struggled since I was a kid, and how unfair is that? All of this could have easily been mine. It was just by chance that he got it instead of me. Every few syllables, William inched closer to me, my hands gripping the wall behind me. That's when, a few months back, I decided to take chance into my own hands. I saw how much differently my brother's life turned out. I tracked down our idiot birth mother, buttered her up, looked Sam up, and got your address. My brother, the big fancy writer. And that one day when I walked through your house... I toured a life that should have been mine, William said. It, it was you who broke in. Y you were making those calls, I stuttered. Yes, and it was me who got rid of Sam. He had to go. And things could have worked out for us, Leah. 
It's a shame you had to go and ruin everything. Now it looks like I gotta get rid of you too. William lunged towards me, his hands bolting from my neck. I ducked his grip and ran out the bedroom door. I ran as quickly as I could, every pounding step, feeling William chasing after me, gaining on me. I got to the front door, flinged it open, and crashed straight into Detective Clark. I collapsed into his arms as William froze. He'd been caught. Detective Clark had come over after getting my frantic voicemail. He had looked into William Dean and saw his long, offensive rap sheet. He also looked at his license photo, nearly identical to Sam's. I watched as William was handcuffed and put into the back of a cop car. He eventually confessed and they found Sam's body shortly after. Detective Clark came over to tell me what I already knew deep inside. My Sam was never coming back. I didn't ask any details about what happened to Sam, what William did to him. I didn't want to know. I couldn't know. When Sam went missing, I thought the worst possible scenario was him never coming back. But I was wrong. I had just lived the worst possible scenario. A Kiss on the Hand is a story that I wrote, and I really hope that you all enjoyed it. This is really my favorite kind of story with all the twists and turns. And who knows, maybe someday this could be made into a movie. I think that would be pretty cool. Make sure you're following this podcast and be sure to keep up with Avery After Dark on TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm linking all those below, so go give them a follow so you can stay up to date. I appreciate each and every one of you and look forward to next episode. Bye, guys.